the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Uh, tonight, we're going to be joined with uh, Ann Baker, a consul person from the Cuyahoga County Council, and uh, coming back with our monthly report. Nan, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure to come back and update you as to what we're doing on Cuyahoga County Council. Well, thank you. You've been with us for so long, uh, and so long we've been talking about COVID-19. And I know that uh, we're at the point now where the numbers are going down, but vaccinations are still in the news. How are we doing here in Cuyahoga County with vaccinations and new cases? Uh, fair, you know, as far as vaccinations go, fairly well. Uh, as of Monday uh, in Cuyahoga County, we had 52.4% of our county vaccinated. So that's, uh, you know, that's gaining. We hope to get uh, to a higher number than that. But right now, that's over 50%. So uh, as you know, the um, state has relaxed its public health uh, restrictions. And most of Cuyahoga County, if not the entire state, is now feeling some relief from the restrictions that we all endured over the last year to 14, 15 months. So that, that is good news. Well, that, that is good news. A question when we say vaccinations uh, and we talk about herd uh, immunity, uh, I always think of that. We're at 52.4% vaccinations in the county. But um, with regard to those people who have antibodies because they've had it, do we add them to the number? To make us close to that 70%? Right. That's a good question. Uh, no, they are not added. These are vaccinations only. So when you think about those that have had the uh, COVID-19 and do have those antibodies, uh, many of them, it's recommended by the CDC that they also get vaccinated. So they only count the vaccinations, but you're right. Um, we had many people that uh, did have the virus and uh, are uh, immune because of it naturally. So it, it's uh, probably higher when you talk about it that way than 52.4. You know, I have been giving uh, my district, District 1, which is Westlake, Rocky River, North Olympic, Park, and Bay Village, every week I give my mayors an update as to how many new cases there are in their cities. And uh, good, for the last good. year, 13 or 14 months, um, you know, it has been consistently, you know, 180. Now it's down to Bay Village has one and Bayview Park um, had zero and North Olmstead had one and Rocky River um, had two and Westlake had one. So uh, the cases are dramatically dropping almost as if we were in herd immunity. So it's, um, it, it really is good news for um, our county, our state, our country, really, as a whole. 
Well, that's good. Well, and uh, since we're focused here on Cuyahoga County, it's a, a good time, then, and it's good news that should allow us to relax and breathe in a more relaxed way and go out and start enjoying ourselves. I know that with the relaxation of the restrictions, people have been going out to restaurants and the, uh, the Cleveland Stadium for the Indians games have been full capacity. So we're actually starting to see something we hadn't seen since the summer of 2019. 2020 just seemed to not happen for most of us, or all of us, basically. So how is that affecting us economically, do you think, uh, where people are coming back? Are we seeing situations where the economy is jumping up? Yes. Um, The casino revenues are up. The um, hotel business, which is probably the last to see the real surge, um, is starting to gain. Um, but travel and restaurants, um, sports bars, all the things, theaters, they're all all coming back. And really the county budget, uh, especially with the CARES Act that was given to us last year to try and fill in the gaps of uh, funding to keep the services uh, intact, really helped us. Uh, we do have now, which we could kind of graduate to, we do have what's called the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. It's another surge of federal money uh, totaling to about $240 million. It's uh, quite a bit of money uh, at a time when we're really coming out of this um, um, virus and um, getting, as we said, working towards herd immunity. So that in itself is becoming challenging in how we spend these dollars. Well, tell me about the dollars, $240 million. Is it coming into the county as a lump sum, or is it going to be paid out over a period of time? And, and are there any strings attached? Well, we're learning about it now. We had an update from our uh, treasurer, our, our finance director, I should say, um, just this past Monday. And uh, it's coming in two, two different years, $120 million approximately uh, was already deposited. And another $120 million will be deposited next year. It must be uh, decided how we're going to spend those dollars by the end of uh, 2024. And I believe we have till 2026 to actually spend it. So there isn't the crunch that we had with the CARES Act. Where we only had less than a year, and we had to give back what we didn't use at the end of 2020. Uh, this is an expanded amount of time that allows us to really think about what we can do with this this amount of money, especially at a time where the emergency of uh, need is uh, behind us, or at least for the most part it is. Uh, Like the CARES Act, where there were links you had to make with the expenditures for uh, safety, public health safety, uh, PPE, uh, lots of plexiglass, things like that, uh, yeah. are, are you a little freer to spend the um, American Rescue Act money? Yes. The, it's much broader than what we had with the CARES Act. Um, the um, eligible uses are things like um, more mitigation and prevention of the COVID-19, uh, medical expenses, behavioral health, public safety and safety staff, um, and to, and to improve the design and execution of health and public health programs. So that's pretty broad. 
what we can't um, use it for are um, rainy day funds, like, you know, reserve funds, and we can't uh, use it for payments of interest or principal or outstanding debt. So they definitely want it targeted for uses that we can connect the dots to uh, services and helping those that uh, are in need or in future need. So pretty much the standard government rule, use it or lose it, I guess. <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the only good thing here, of course, besides the amount of money that we received, uh, is that we do have the time. It's not going to be a rush. We had to really rush through those dollars last year and and received some criticism because we didn't go through some of the procurement processes that we would have, but we were under the gun in uh, making sure that uh, we spent them wisely but also spent them quickly. It's, uh, with the uh, with the money that came in from the American Rescue Act for 2021, the 120 million, uh, yes. has some of that been spent, and what kind of things has that been spent on so far? Well, uh, nothing has been spent. We just received it. Uh, we are anticipating oh, but... that the uh, county executive will give his um, strategy as to how he thinks it can be spent. Uh, we on county council, unlike the CARES Act that came so quickly, we really didn't have time to uh, to debate that amount of money. Uh, but this time, county council is going to play an active role in uh, how we think the money should be spent. So there will be more discussion uh, about how these dollars will be um, applied, and that is yet to come. I'm assuming uh, that this money cannot be used for, like, staff bonuses and that kind of thing? Right. Anything that's related to pensions or uh, in employee enhancements, uh, vacation bonuses, anything like that, no. Well, very good. Well, it sounds like we're on the right track, and it uh, looks like the summer of 2021 is heading in the right direction. Uh, we're talking to Council Representative Nan Baker from the Cuyahoga County Council. We're getting our monthly update on what's going on with COVID-19 and how we're doing economically here in Cuyahoga County. And uh, with that, uh, Nan, we're, we're going to come back and talk more about how the economy is doing and what are some of the problems that the county is facing yet and how you're going to handle those over the next several months here for the rest of the year. But uh, right. anyway, we're going, to take, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Answer. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. We're talking to Nan Baker from the Cuyahoga County Council, and uh, we're talking about how Cuyahoga County is doing. We, we just talked about how well we're doing following the COVID pandemic. And uh, Nan, again, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Good to be with you. Now, moving off of uh, the pandemic for a bit, uh, talking about law and order, um, there's a diversion center uh, project that is in play. Tell us about that, and, and where are we? Yes, it's a, it's a, it's really a fascinating um, 
gradual event that um, we have been talking about for a while. And right now, especially through the opiate settlement, I don't know if you remember that the county received uh, opiate dollars to be spent on those that were suffering from uh, mental illness and from opiate addiction. Um, We found that there's a correlation between the two. But through that, uh, we decided that a diversion center would be something that could help uh, those that are dealing with mental illness, um, that are um, opiate uh, addicted. And the diversion center is a place where they they can go when a police officer pulls them over uh, for a crime that they suspect that they have done, that instead of sending them to the jail, they will make a determination to send them to the diversion center. And we have a temporary diversion center set up now at the Oriana Oriana House uh, on 55th Street in Cleveland. And that takes up to 50 beds and turns over. It's not you stay for a short period of time until you're um, analyzed and um, it's determined how many other services you need and where you need to go for those services. So it is a, um, it's, it's open, it has been open since May 3rd, and we're uh, anticipating an update as to how all that is working. But I, I think most agree that um, this needs to be in place. Our jails are overcrowded, and they're overcrowded with people who need services, um, not really punishment, because they are uh, addicted on um, some type of substance abuse. So that's uh, when and we're talking about then also building a uh, diversion team. Uh, this is a temporary place. Well, thinking about diversion programs, uh, it sounds like there are some governmental decisions that are made, and it sounds here that a decision is made by police officers. Is that right, where someone yes, has an encounter yes. with police for criminal violations and a police officer will decide whether it's diversion or booking into the jail? Yes. They have been trained to uh, understand if they see something that um, they feel that person is in need of services, and uh, they will then divert them to the diversion center, and then they will make the final um, decision as to whether or not this person is in need of services that they can offer or get them the services uh, elsewhere. But yes, it is upon the police officer at the time of the either arrest or diversion to the uh, center. I see. Now, have have all the police officers in Cuyahoga County and Sheriff's Department been trained uh, with the, this option and this direction? Yes, they have all been through the training program. Uh, Cuyahoga County uh, Community College has been a partner in this, and yes, it's part of their training is to understand. Um, the needs of people upon arrest if they feel that uh, jail is not the best place for them. Well, it sounds like such a uh, a good option for the, the person who is the, the criminal or the victim of, of the addiction. Uh, can they request to be placed in the diversion program or family members? Uh, can they be helpful in intervening at that point? Uh, it's at the point of arrest. So it really does come down to the police officer. Um, The person who is being diverted could 
contest and say, no, I don't want to go, and if that's the, if that's the position they take, then they go to jail. Um, you know, the I can hardly imagine is, anyone not wanting to go to diversion. Right, and it is a um, it is only for those for misdemeanor crimes. So if there's any felony ah. crimes, they do not qualify. It's only for misdemeanors. So it's um, it, it narrows down the amount of people that do go to the diversion center. Um, but no, you know. Well, as you mentioned, for those who go to jail, those who especially go to the county jail, and over the months mm-hmm. we've talked about problems with the county jail, how are we doing? We're doing better. We uh, we have a new sheriff, and uh, he is uh, doing his job, and we're hearing that uh, things are under control. Of course, in a jail, you're always going to have um, things happen. It is a, a volatile place. But uh, he has control of the jail, and we feel good about it. Right now, we are talking about building a new jail. That's probably the, the biggest item in front of us right now. Uh, we just had a um, a brief meeting on some of the particulars, but on Tuesday, we are going to be given a full overview of what the steering committee is um, is proposing that we support. And uh, that will be probably a long, involved meeting. Uh, we were asked to uh, hire an architect to move us along for about $500,000. And I didn't feel I knew enough about what decisions were made by the steering committee uh, in order to support that. So um, through that debate and conversation on Tuesday through the Public Safety Committee, we will get a very um, detailed update as to where we are with determining if a new jail is needed, which looks like that's the direction we're going in, and what that will look like, what the capacity will be. Um, Location is also part of the mix, but um, that right now is not yet determined. So a lot of of open questions that um, perhaps the next time I come on your radio show, I'll be able to um, be a little more specific about. Be more specific. Uh, well, I've heard about the talk of uh, replacing the entire Justice Center. Is that on the table or being discussed, tearing down and rebuilding yeah. new? Right. Well, no. It's been discussed, and that will be part of next week's questions. Uh, that is why wow. I wasn't really prepared to uh, hire the architect yet until I knew. Just to, just to answer that question, from what we're hearing, it doesn't look like the courts are going to be part of the jail. So where do they go and, you know, will they stay at the Justice Center or uh, will the courthouse stay intact? Will there be a new courthouse? It's, um, there's a lot yet to be determined and, and I would like to know those answers before we move forward with any additional dollars. Well, definitely for next uh, next month when we talk again, we'll have answers to that. Yeah. Uh, I would hope or at least... You know, a new range of answers as uh, this is going to be explored. I can just uh, see problems with how do you operate the courts with all the courtrooms if you're going to be shutting down the Justice Center while you're building a new one. I guess you have to build a new one before you shut down the old one. Probably. And then there's if the courts don't go with the the new jail, if it's built outside of Cleveland, then uh, do we transport uh, inmates? Um, to to the uh, 
to the jail and back to the courts. It's some, uh, some questions there that we need to really understand the strategy behind uh, separating the two. Are there just a couple of reasons why the current jail can't be um, maintained or upgraded, or why does it have to be torn down? Well, from what I hear, uh, two things. One is that it is um, inadequate. They say that the different uh, levels of that building, the high-rise, is inefficient in um, moving prisoners around, um, get from one activity to the next, they have to take them up and down elevators, and then that means they need to be escorted. Um, it's difficult to keep an eye on them, more costly, takes more collection um, officers. Those type of things is what we're hearing, and that's what I'd like to hear more about um, next week. They're Why, of course, about and then, campus. yeah. Yeah. We're talking about uh, a campus, campus you mentioned. Meeting. One floor. Well, that, that'll be interesting, and, and of course, always interesting to hear what kind of cost factors they're talking about, and uh, mm-hmm. where's the money coming from, and where where can mm-hmm. it come from? But oh my goodness! Well, in, in mm-hmm. any event, thank you for the update. Uh, that was definitely good, encouraging news about COVID nineteen here in Cuyahoga County, and yeah. uh, for the entire state, for that matter. And uh, yes. Nan Baker, thank you so much, and thank you for joining us tonight. You're welcome. I'll see you again soon. I'm sure. We sure will. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on The Advocate on WHK, The Answer. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. And uh, tonight we're going to talk in these two segments about the 4th of July and finally something that we can all do that's going to be nice and fun. And uh, with us from the Long Drink Company, we have Sarah Kelly, who's with us. We're going to talk about the 4th of July and how we can prepare for it. Sarah, how are you? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It's uh it's been a long time coming when we can actually talk about fun things. Uh, on the uh, on the show, we've been talking about COVID for so long. It's good to get away from it and talk about being outdoors and enjoying the weather and enjoying ourselves and families and friends. So uh, you're with Long Drink Company. Tell us a bit about Long Drink Company before we get into talking about the 4th of July. What is the Long Drink Company? The Long Drink Company is a... Uh, it's a liquor and citrus soda beverage. Um, it has been in the United States since 2018. Um, we launched in Ohio in 2020, and uh, it's just a really refreshing, great summer drink, especially. Um, it's uh, we're, we're trying to get the uh, the Ohio base on board with it. It's been in. Finland since 1952, um, so we're excited to have it here in the United States now. Well, what makes up the liquor component of the drink? So it is technically a gin. Uh, it is a very Americanized gin, however. It is light in the flavor profile of juniper berries, um, so it doesn't give you that overwhelming pine tree type of flavor profile. Um, a lot of people actually guess that it's 
a vodka because of how light that profile is. But it is technically a gin. Well, and your name is Sarah Kelly, and you're with um, Long Drink. And uh, how long have you been with them, and and what do you do for them? I have been with the company, um, oddly enough, since March of 2020, right before the pandemic hit. So uh, it was a great time. (laughs) Yeah, it was a a great time to join uh, an alcohol company. Um, I am the Ohio field manager. I oversee the relationship with our accounts and with our distributor and really just try and introduce Ohioans to the product. So it is a fun job. No complaints there. When we talk about alcohol, uh, at least from a responsible radio show point of view, we always talk about uh, being responsible and being a responsible consumer of alcoholic products, not drinking and driving and that kind of thing. Uh, how, how does your company promote uh, safe drinking and driving? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are big uh, advocates of, you know, enjoying having a good time, but absolutely getting yourself home safely, not putting anyone else in danger. Um, we love using rideshare apps, um, you know, anytime you can call an Uber or a Lyft to get yourself home or give up your keys to your friend who's not drinking. Um, we want everyone to have a good time this summer. As you mentioned, it is time to get back out there and enjoy ourselves and enjoy friends again, but we absolutely want you doing that responsibly. Well, I like the term responsible because uh, al- alcohol actually uh, it has been used for medicinal purposes and it, it does the thing of relaxing people. And uh, so used wisely, it can help people relax and enjoy themselves. Fourth uh, of July is coming up. Uh, with the Fourth of July, what are some of the best practices that you guys have run into that people can do with uh, as far as preparing their summer snack pack? Yeah, absolutely. I am excited to share some tips and tricks for organizing a snack pack for your summer journey. Um, Whether you're gearing up for a picnic or you're just having a low-key barbecue in the backyard, you definitely want to get things done the right way. Um, So an important part to that, of course, is what to drink. And my go-to this summer is going to be the long drink. It's a wonderfully smooth citrus soda with a premium liquor kick. Um, along with that, uh, you want to make sure you have a perfect cooler for bringing your long drink and your foods and other beverages. Um, so with that, insulation is very important. You're going to want to choose a cooler with at least two inches of insulation Um, And depending on your group size, you might want one cooler for food and one for drinks. Uh, That is not necessary, though. If you pack your cooler correctly, you're going to want to separate your food from your ice and your drinks and other things that could turn your lunch into a soggy mess. Um, So pro tip there, once once your ice and libations are packed, you can place a layer of cooling racks on top of them and then add your meant-to-stay-dry foods. That way they'll stay cool and they'll stay intact. As as I'm picturing this, I'm picturing the 4th of July, picturing people taking their cooler out, uh, going into their garage or their basement, pulling up this 
plastic cooler, filling it with ice and filling it with stuff inside. And you know, when we're talking about alcoholic beverages, I'm picturing where can you and where can't you bring these alcoholic beverages? I mean, park systems generally are not going to let you do that. Uh, what, what, what do you recommend? Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to check your uh, local regulations, make sure you're not bringing it into an area where you're not able to. But um, if you have a private property, you know, a friend's gathering or um, some some public locations will allow you to bring alcoholic beverages, um, especially if there's a guard on duty. Um, that's typically the route to go. But you definitely want to check with, with your uh, area ahead of time. Make sure you're not spending the 4th of July in a jail cell. Definitely not. And that's one of the big things with alcohol. <laughs> so it's sort of a fine line between consuming responsibly, and I have to emphasize the term responsible, and uh, not uh, causing any problems like getting intoxicated, being uh, reckless and obnoxious and those kinds of things. So uh, you have to be be careful of that. And if people are getting like that, if you're the host of a party, you can be responsible for the people you get intoxicated or let get intoxicated at your party. So... Again, I can't overemphasize that, but at the same time, we don't want to take everyone's fun away. It's been a long time waiting, so don't go overboard. Well, what about, do you have any tips with us on grilling? I mean, that's a big thing with picnics and outside and Fourth of July. I mean, barbecue, yeah. we talk about charcoal and all that. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, step one is definitely to make sure your grill is clean. Um, that's before you even can think about getting anything on there. You want to make sure it's clean. And if you don't have a great cleaner handy, a simple hack is to ball up a sheet of tin foil, grasp it with a set of tongs, and start scrubbing. Um, obviously, a great cleaner, though, if you have one, that's going to be your best bet. Um, another thing not to forget is marinade. You'll typically hear people say, leave it on for a few hours or ideally overnight. In fact, you want to save some of that marinade, brush it on your meat or your fish every 10 minutes as it's cooking. That way you're adding moisture, you're trapping the smoky flavor, and you're caramelizing it gently as it goes. And then, Any tips for, oh, go ahead. Nope, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, any, any tips for the best burger? Um, so I would definitely say have a start with a good premium beef. Um, you want, you know, something that's lean in fat, something that uh, is going to make you feel good when you're done eating it. Step two, though, I would say have something for the vegetarians. Um, you might want a black bean burger. You might want uh, one of the many, many new meat alternatives that are popping up. Um, it's a good way to let people know that you're thinking about them um, if you know that you have some non-meat eaters coming to your party. For the meat eaters and the burgers, can you settle the uh, debate? What's a better burger, uh, 90 lean, 10% fat, or 80, 20? <laughs> when I'm sent out I'm to get this go- stuff, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go 80, 20. You do want a little bit more of the fat there. Um, if it is 
its uh, juiciness and have some substance, but um, anything more than that, I think, uh, is maybe too much. You never go 50-50. But anyway, hey, we're talking to Sarah <laughs> Kelly. She's from uh, Long Drink. We're talking about getting ready for those uh, 4th of July picnics. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with uh, Sarah. We'll be talking about picnicking and how to enjoy the 4th of July after these words. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on The Advocate. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. We're talking about Fourth of July picnics, finally, where everyone's going to get out into the beautiful weather. They're going to be out with friends and family and hopefully having picnics. And to tell us about that tonight is Sarah Kelly from Long Drink. Sarah, again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. You know, we uh, mentioned during the last segment about grilling, and uh, you brought up an interesting topic uh, about something for vegetarians, and I guess a lot of vegetarians out there who prefer to have something meatless. Uh, what's out there for vegetarians that um, you really surprise them and make them happy if you're not a vegetarian, but you have something for them? What are some of the, the go-to things? Yeah, so having um, a burger alternative such as a Beyond Meat burger a Boca burger, um, you can never really go wrong with those. That way uh, your vegetarian friends can load it up with all the same toppings. You know, they'll feel included uh, that they can sit down with their burger alternative as well. Um, but there are some vegetarians that don't even want the meat lookalike, so they will go full side dishes, um, you know, your veggies, your pasta salads, um Anything that you can make without putting meat in it, if it doesn't take away from, you know, the base of what it is, I say do that. That way you can appeal to more people. Well, there's a lot of things that uh, you can have that don't have meat in it, uh, like potato salad. That that would be vegetarian, right? Yep. Potato salad, pasta salad, macaroni salad. Yeah, all of the, and mostly all of the salad. All of that. Well, I, I bring that up because sometimes if you label something vegetarian, just by labeling it, people are going to be turned off and they're going to say, I don't, I don't want a vegetarian meal. Uh, I want something real. So potato salad and these other things, uh, it's up, I guess it's up to the vegetarian to know that it's vegetarian safe or friendly and they can go ahead with it. But um, in, in any event, I, I guess, as, and you're a vegetarian yourself, are you not? I am. I have been a vegetarian going on about 20 years here. So as an experienced vegetarian picnic goer, what would you recommend as maybe like the top one or two vegetarian things you look forward to when you get to a picnic? I am all about the sides. As I mentioned, um, I am a lady who likes to have a lot of food in small portions. So I don't need one big dish of the same thing. I look uh-huh. forward to, uh, you know, the fruits, the pasta salads, even chips and dip. Um, I load my plate up with a small portion of everything that I can eat. I am all about the variety. So you have a good time. And vegetarians can have good times, right? <laughs> 
gross non-vegetarian. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. That, that is good. What are some of the events? Are there some best events and, and where to go to? Yeah, so um, we are excited as we're looking at the um, Ohio Festival calendars that we're not seeing canceled next to them anymore as was the uh, theme last year. So we definitely are seeing um, beer fests pop up. We have a couple wine fests happening. Um, and then from there, there's family-friendly events. Um, I know that uh, the Feast of the Assumption is back this year. That's always a great festival down in Little Italy. Um, and then even your town uh, festivals that typically happen year to year, a lot of those are coming back to real life as well. So um, it's going to be great to see people out spending time in the sun with their family, having a good time. You know, uh, where do they go to find out the festivals? I'm assuming there's some website somewhere where people can check yeah, this out and come up with plenty of things. There's a few of them. Um, my go-to is clevelandtraveler.com. They have a Cleveland calendar in there that's um, pretty up-to-date and accurate. It has links to the actual festivals. And then an even more comprehensive list is ohiofestivals.net. That covers uh, everything outside of Cleveland as well. They cover pretty much all events in the state of Ohio. Same thing there, too. They have links to the event pages as well. So um, those are usually my go-tos to figure out what's happening. Well, everyone's off and running. How are sales going for long drink? Sales are good. Um we typically get lumped into a summer drink, which uh, unfortunately during the cold months is not great for us. But during the summer months, we peak. Um, long drink is a really refreshing beverage that people typically find works well when they're sitting out in the hot sun. Um, you know, you mow your grass, you come in, reward yourself with a long drink. It's a great refreshing beverage. So sales are good right now for us. And, uh, Looking forward to building on that momentum in the coming months as well. Does it come in different flavors? It does. So long drink comes in four different flavors. We have our traditional. That is our most widely recognized. It is a tried and true grapefruit and juniper berry flavor with the premium liquor kick. Um, as I mentioned, that one really tastes like a boozy fresca or a boozy squirt. Um, from there, then we have a zero option. It's the same flavor. It's just uh, made without the carbs, without the sugar, making it keto-friendly, 99 calories, zero sugar, zero carbs. We have our third option, which is also the same flavor. Um, we just added an extra kick to it. So that one sits at an 8.5% ABV. Um, the feedback we were getting was people were saying, this is delicious. I'm adding my own liquor to it. So we said, we'll take the guesswork out for you and bump up uh, the liquor content in that one. And then our fourth and final uh, variety is cranberry. That one is cranberry and juniper flavors, also with the premium liquor kick. It's the perfect balance between the flavor and the premium alcohol. 
Well, as a lawyer talking about this, it sounds great, but I'm just so paranoid about people being irresponsible in dealing with it. Um, I have to remind people that I'm assuming this comes in cans or bottles. Cans, yes. And that you should not be driving and drinking your can of long drink while you're driving or even having open containers in the car. That that could be a, a law enforcement problem, do you think? Absolutely. Uh, we want nothing more than for people to have a good time, but to do it safe and responsibly. That's why consuming it, um, you know, at your house, um, at a, a local bar where you can hop in a rideshare app or walk home after is um, always a great idea. Uh, you know, no shame too in crashing on your friend's couch if you need to. If it if it gets to that point in the night, there is no shame, no matter how old you are, in crashing on a couch and uh, waiting till the next day to take yourself home. Well, why do I feel like the parent who's is sort of like the the downer of the group, uh, and then at the end of giving everybody all these warnings, then say, "Now go out and have a good time." So right. Uh, and there's there's plenty of opportunities to have a good time. Hey, it's just sort of an off-the-wall question with regard to drive-in movies, which became very popular again during COVID time. Do, do you know whether or not people are allowed to bring in alcoholic beverages to drive-ins? You may that or may not know not... that. I'm just wondering. <laughs> no, I'm actually not sure that's a good question. Um, I know some movie, you know, sit-down movie theaters have a full bar at them, so... I'd imagine some of the uh, drive-ins do as well. But to your point, I'm sure there's a limit to how many they'll serve to a, a car for that exact reason of drinking responsibly. Oh, yes, that's true. Well, I, I remember seeing a drive-in uh, down in Portage County that uh, if you want to bring your own food and beverage in, you have to pay like 10 bucks or 20 bucks for a, a permit to bring outside stuff in. And I, I just didn't notice whether or not that included alcohol. But in, in any event, I think everybody is thrilled that we're getting back to normal. We're in the summertime. Fourth of July is coming up. We get to recognize and uh, recognize the fact that uh, the United States has been around now for 246 years as we're moving along. But I'd, I'd like to thank Sarah for joining us and helping share some ways on how to have an enjoyable Fourth of July. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning